Thank you, Neville. Really appreciate you leading the service. Appreciate your, your help today and your ministry in song. Uh, let us turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. The Gospel of Luke chapter 2. We're going to think about the first Christmas carol today. The first Christmas carol was sung by the angels. Luke chapter 2 and the verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I remember a man who used to tell me that the angels don't sing. Bible never says the angels sing. He says the angels are always saying, they're always speaking, they're not singing. And certainly whenever you look at verse 13, we read, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying. Well, they were praising God. I think they were singing. But I'll debate it with you at some stage. But I think they were singing. They were praising God, they were singing. And whenever we praise God, you, you think about how you, you sing in praise. And certainly the angels cannot praise as, as we praise, because they are not sinners saved by grace as we are. doesn't mean they don't praise God. doesn't mean they don't praise God for the plan of redemption either. And we'll notice that today. So we'll think about these words, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Uh, let us bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for everything that has transpired in the meeting to date. We thank you for the, the singing. We thank you for the music. We thank you, Father, uh, for the, the gift of music and song that you've given to us, a gift that ought to be employed for the glory of God. And we thank you for your precious word and for this song that the angels did sing. As we reflect upon that and think about that today, we pray that you would touch our hearts, encourage our souls, and draw near to us. May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Christmas Day is quite a remarkable moment in our lives. There are a few days that conjure up so many memories of childhood, of family, of comings together of love, excitement as this day. And it's wonderful to have the children with us in church today. And some of the children coming in, they were talking to me about their presents and what they had got and what Santa had brought. And certainly it brings childhood back and it does that for, for all of us. So Christmas Day is a significant day. And as far as we can tell, as far as we can tell from the history of the early church. Early Christians, they did mark the coming of Christ into the world from the very first century. And so there was this tradition that developed in Christianity of praising God for the coming of His Son. Now, they didn't always praise God for the coming of His Son in December. That perhaps came a little later, but they did praise God for the coming of His Son in April. We know that date was set aside at one stage by the early church, but Christians did see it as a very important thing. 
because it was such an important moment in history. One of the greatest events in history was the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God in human flesh. This day, Christmas Day, has also been a significant day in the the history of the world as regards the, the politics of the world, as regards the kingdoms of the world. And for some reason, there was this tradition amongst kings in Europe, particularly kings with, a, with French blood in them, to have this day as their coronation day. Uh, for example, Clovis, who is said to be the first Christian king of France, he was crowned king of France in 496. And then another Frenchman, Charlemagne, was crowned by the Pope as a Holy Roman Emperor, also on Christmas Day. And then William the Conqueror, who of course was the Norman, he was crowned in 1066 on Christmas Day at Westminster Abbey. But all of that is a far cry from what we see here in Luke chapter 2, because those other kings, great as they were, they had their soldiers, they had their attendance, they had their triumphs. Certainly William the Conqueror, he came across the English Channel and he won England at the point of the sword and much blood was shed and lives were lost in order that he might gain control of England. But whenever we come to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are no soldiers and there are no attendants and there is no battles and bloodshed and nor, nor is there any semblance of what we might call a, a coronation moment. Today, King Charles will address the nation for the first time as king. And today we should, in our prayers and thoughts, think about our royal family because they too have lost, and they've lost one who was precious to them, one who was precious to us all, her late majesty and Today he will put his mark upon this first Christmas when he reigns as king. But he has his palaces and he has his wealth and he has his opulence and he has his servants. And yet you come to the greatest king of all and we find him lying in this manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And we see this picture of absolute humility, of lowliness. No one recognized really what had taken place. The first people to be told were the shepherds in the hills above Bethlehem. And what a message they heard. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, the King who is the Savior, the King who came to conquer with grace, who came to triumph with love, the King who came to capture hearts, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And it was He whom the angels were praising whenever they said in verse 14, the first Christmas carol. We sing carols at Christmas. It's one of the features of Christmas time. It's been one of the features of the development of the Christian hymn, how these songs, focusing upon the nativity of our Lord and His coming into the world were written and then they have become so precious, so memorable. But here was the first moment when Christ's birth was praised. And the angels, they said, what a, 
multitude they were. Just says a multitude, but we don't read how many they were. We're simply told they were a heavenly host. What must it not have been like for the angels to have heard this and for the shepherds to have heard this and seen this? It was something they never forgot. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We're going to think about peace and goodwill for all and what we can learn from this text on this Christmas day. Firstly, let's think about the, the realization. What did the angels realize here? What did they come to know? You know, the angels don't have infinite knowledge. The angels don't know all things. There are many mysteries that are hidden from angels. And there was something here that they came to know that they never knew before. And this was why they were praising God with such enthusiasm. There were things they did not know. But up until this point in time, what did they know? Before this moment, when they burst into song above the heads of these shepherds, what did they know up until this point in time? Well, they knew that there was one of their company called Lucifer who dwelt amongst them, one who was one of the chief angels. He was called son of the morning. And yet he rebelled against God. He did an inexplicable thing and he led a rebellion against God and he was cast out of heaven and he was cast down to earth. They knew that. And they knew much darkness had come to this world because of what Lucifer had done and his new guise as Satan. They knew that. And yet these were the holy angels. These were the obedient angels. These were the angels who did not follow after Satan. These were the angels of whom we read in the book of Isaiah who constantly encircled the throne of God, crying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. They have never ceased praising God from the beginning of their creation because they are not eternal creatures. They are everlasting. But unlike God, they are not eternal. Only God is eternal. Only God had no beginning. They had a beginning. God made them. God fashioned them for His glory, for His praise, for His honor. And they have continued in perfect obedience throughout the endless ages, it seems, praising God from the moment they were created. But they were aware of the sinfulness of this world, the corruption of this world. They were aware of man and how man had mutinied against the gracious cre creator. And that itself is something that they couldn't understand. They couldn't comprehend how it could be that Number one, Lucifer, one of their own numbers, should rebel against God. But how man should rebel against God as well. But they were also aware that God was planning to save the human race. And again, they couldn't understand that. And they couldn't understand how God would ever do it. For God is so holy and just and good. How could he forgive sinners? How could he save this wretched race? How could he do such a thing? But they knew the plan was unfolding. They knew about the promise that God had made in the Garden of Eden. There would be a Redeemer, there would be a Deliverer born of a woman. They knew that. They knew about Noah and the flood. They knew that God virtually wiped humanity out with the great flood, but he saved one family. Family of Noah. And out of this family, salvation would come to the world. 
And then they knew about Abraham and how God had set him apart. And there was Isaac, and there was Jacob, and there was Israel. And they knew about David, the great king. And out of his loins would come a greater king. And so they were aware that God was fashioning a people. He was creating a plan. They had seen the children of Israel going through the Red Sea. And they had seen them coming into the land of promise. They had seen the unfolding of the plan. They knew that God had preserved his people in Egypt when they were slaves. And he knew he had preserved them again in Babylon when once again they were slaves. And so they were waiting for this deliverer. Waiting for the one who would come to save this sinful world. And their eyes were upon this family, this Jewish family. And then, after 400 years of incredible darkness, when there was no prophet, when there was no word from God, from the moment Malachi had finished until the coming of John the Baptist, there was silence, and the world had become incredibly dark. And then at the close of these 400 years, the time they had waited for arrived. God sent forth his son. Yes, his son, born of a woman, made under the law. And he went into the very womb of the Virgin Mary and he became man. And Gabriel, one of their number, had announced this very thing to this young woman called Mary. And now, suddenly, they're realizing something they'd never realized before. The whole plan is coming together. God's ultimate purpose is being revealed to a sinful world. And God is being glorified through it all. And there's excitement in the courts of heaven. What God is doing in the world. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill to all men. If only we could catch something of that excitement and joy and wonder. The wonder that the angels of God have. That God could send his son into the world for salvation. We need that thought to sink down into our hearts today. The wonder of it all. Isaiah said his name shall be called Wonderful. We don't only see the realization the angels had here, but we also observe a message of reconciliation. Notice what they say. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Their song introduces a harmony. A harmony between earth and heaven. Earth and heaven are coming together. There's glory in the highest, and there's peace and goodwill on earth. This harmony between earth and heaven had never before occurred, not in this way. You see, the problem with sin is sin brings about a disruption between earth and heaven. Adam and Eve, they were in perfect harmony with God, perfect harmony. God came down into the garden in the cool of the day. They walked with him, they talked with him, they fellowshiped with him. And there was this Bond between man and God. There was no disruption because there was no sin. There was no barrier between God and man. There was no sin. You had Eden. And Eden was this perfect, wonderful paradise. 
Harmony between earth and heaven. Harmony between man and God. That's what it is to live in a sinless world. There's perfect harmony. But then sin came. And those cherubims were placed with flaming swords. And again, those were two angels. And they had seen those swords of justice. They had held those swords of justice, banning Adam and Eve from the garden. Because there was a barrier between earth and heaven. And if you're here today and you're not saved, if you're listening today and you're not saved, there's a barrier between you and heaven. There's a barrier between you and God. In your current position, you cannot get to heaven. And you will not get to heaven. There's this barrier. But how can this barrier be taken away? How can this gap between God and man be bridged? How can this gap be spanned? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to all men. How is it? That there can be praises in heaven and peace on earth. Why? Through the Christ who came. Because he is the one who spans the gap. He is the one who bridges the chasm. He is the one who brings earth to heaven and heaven to earth. Because he, the Son of God, became man. He became our mediator. He became our reconciler. He takes our place as man. And yet he is God. And here he is, the God-man, living for us, dying for us, being raised again for us, that there might be reconciliation between man and God. Because man is at war with God, man's also at war with himself. The reason why we have much strife in the world, the reason why we have such disorder in the world and such hatred in the world and such bitterness in the world and the reason why we have all of these things is because man is at war with God. And the one thing this world needs is the peace of the gospel because the peace of the gospel will bring peace to human hearts. And joy will come where sorrow reigns. Harmony between God and man. Is your soul at harmony with God today? It can only be in harmony with God through the person of Jesus Christ who reconciles mankind to himself. And then, finally, I want to talk to you about redemption because we see the realization the angels had here, but we also have the reconciliation between God and men, but we have the redemption because we are told, on earth, peace, goodwill to all men. There was glory in the highest, but the goodwill, the peace extends to earth, comes from heaven, is directed towards earth. Because this world is the theater of redemption. Redemption was planned in the courts of heaven. Redemption is not the invention of the church. It's not the idea that some theologian has dreamed up. Redemption comes from the very heart of God. Redemption is a very good word. It's one of the greatest words in the English language because redemption teaches us that there's always hope. Where there is redemption, there is hope. Where somebody has done wrong and they redeem themselves, they're able to put the record straight. But we cannot redeem ourselves from sin. There's nothing we can do to put straight the 
crooked stick of our own humanity. Only God can do that. And he does that through Christ. He plans salvation in the courts of heaven. But this world is the theater of redemption. This world is the place where the, the drama of redemption is worked out. And we see one very important chapter in this drama of redemption here. And what a story it is. Jesus Christ becoming man for us. We have another chapter in the drama of redemption at the cross. When Jesus Christ, as a young man of 33, was nailed to that cross. And the apostle Paul would write, having made peace for us through the blood of the cross. And that's redemption. Paying a price. Making a purchase. The shedding of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And only that can bring peace and goodwill to our hearts. Truly we can say with the hymn writer, Man of sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah! What a Savior. There are songs the angels can sing. They can praise the wisdom of God. They can praise the goodness of God. They can do all of that. But they cannot praise God as sinners saved by grace. Only we can do that. On earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Here we see the gospel. Because the gospel is the message of good tidings. It's the message of peace. The word gospel actually means the good word. The good word. The good story. The best story of all. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And herein there is peace. But isn't it shocking the way man can take something good, something wonderful, something beautiful, turn it into something ugly, something meaningless. Many people today, they embrace the secular Christmas. They have the family gatherings, and they have the gifts, and they have the presents, and they have all of that. They have the secular Christmas. But there's no Christ. And others go further. In the midst of the secular Christmas, they have all of the, the drinking and the partying. and They think that's Christmas. And really, it's just sin. Man can take something good, something wonderful, turn it into something meaningless. In the 13th century, there was... A hospital founded in England that was called St. Mary of Bethlehem. And that hospital became a home for people that were mentally ill. They were known to be insane in those days. And we are very apt to take a long name like St. Mary of Bethlehem and shorten it. We do it all the time. We'd rather not say long names but rather get things short. And over the years, they get shorter and shorter and shorter. Uh, the Southwest Acute Hospital, just known as the SWA. I can never understand that name. I know why it's called that. It doesn't seem to make much sense. It's not a very pretty name, certainly, the SWA. Well, St. Mary of Bethlehem, it got shortened and shortened and shortened until they talked about Bedlam. Bedlam. And the 
the name Bedlam has come to be associated with that which is chaotic, that which is no order, no harmony. It's just Bedlam, chaos. And that was the name for the hospital for those that were mentally ill. And yet, Bedlam comes from Bethlehem. What a difference. What a difference between Bethlehem and Bedlam. Bethlehem, what the angels were singing here. Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill to all men. And sadly, there are many, and they've turned Christmas into Bedlam. Just disorder, just chaos, just meaningless. Christ is not seen. And that's the tragedy of it all. And yet, as Christians, we can look past that and look beyond that and look into the very heart of what this season is about and how it should excite and thrill our souls. Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill to all men. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote a poem called Christmas Bells. I just want to read it to you as we come to close today. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the earth revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall feel, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall feel, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. This message, the message, the, the message the angels sung, this message will continue to exist as long as there's a world. It will never die, it will never fade. It will continue as kings and queens come and go, as empires come and go, as nations come and go, as generations come and go, until the very end, the song will be sung. It will continue to be relevant because it's the only message that really counts. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let us bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Write it upon every heart.